Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thank you so much for being here. And today we are actually just going to continue on with the natal astrology series that I've been kind of working on since the very beginning of this podcast. So at this point now we have started with the kind of 101 introductory astrology episode where I just talked about the big three, the sun, moon, and rising sign and how those three... um, Uh, placements and signs kind of work together to contribute to our lived experience and the way that we behave and interact with the world. And then most recently, I did an episode on the Mercury sign, which is really important. I feel honestly like we don't talk enough about the Mercury sign. It so affects how we relate, how we work, how we think, how we express and represent ourselves to the world what motivates us. So it's just a really important thing to know. And I definitely recommend that you check out that episode if you have not already done that. And I will post the link in the description of this episode to check that out. And obviously, all of these astrology series episodes go really well together. So I do recommend kind of listening to all of them and allowing me to kind of teach you something about your birth chart and maybe the birth charts of other people in your life to whom you are close and whose information you um, would like to know. So today, we are going to talk about the Venus sign, which is really exciting. So Venus is another one of the personal planets, by which I mean Mars, Mercury, um, Venus, obviously, and then the Sun and Moon, which obviously are luminaries. They're not planets, but for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to continue to refer them as such throughout the podcast. So these are the personal planets. And by that, we really just mean that these are planets that don't take very long to switch from one sign to another. They only take a matter of weeks. Usually Mars takes a little bit longer, but it's still considered to be um, a planet that pretty heavily influences our everyday lived experience. Whereas the outer planets, by which I mean Jupiter and beyond, are a little more generational. They speak more to a whole group of people rather than um, you necessarily at the individual level, although that's tricky because obviously it will affect us and it will interact with the other signs that we have. But at the same time, when we're looking at the outer planets, which by the way, we are going to talk about, so don't be sad if you are a lover of the outer planets. They're still really important. But when we're talking about the outer planets in natal astrology, We're not as interested in the sign in which they're located as much as we're interested in the house in which they're located. The only exception to that would be Jupiter. I feel like Jupiter is not necessarily an outer planet, but I also don't really consider it to be a personal planet because it does take an entire year to switch signs. So I feel like that's definitely more of a kind of wide scale influence. Um, So they do all affect us, but we especially want to look at the sign in which that planet is located. And that's actually going to reveal a lot more about how our unique experience with that planet is going to unfold um, in a very specific way to us. But today we're going to talk about Venus, which takes Um, a little bit longer than Mercury to switch from one sign to another, but she still moves very quickly through the ecliptic, which um, if you're not familiar with that term, I use it frequently in the podcast. The ecliptic just refers to the hypothetical line in the sky that um, would appear if we were to literally take a pen and just draw the path that the sun travels along the earth year. That would be the ecliptic. So 
basically to determine a sign, um, we're just looking at where along the belt of the ecliptic a particular planet was placed at the moment of birth. So your Venus sign is going to be the sign that Venus was located in. And when I say sign, I don't mean the constellation. And that's actually a whole other digression that I could take on, but I won't. But we really aren't looking at the constellations, which is important to know because due to an event called the precession of the equinoxes, the constellations in the sky are actually not where they once were when the ancients kind of articulated all of this. So astronomers love to kind of throw that out there as a reason to sort of delegitimize astrology. And it's kind of funny because it's hard to delegitimize a practice that you know nothing about. So we're really not actually looking at the constellations. We're looking at the the imaginary line, which if we were to take that line and divide it into 12 30 degree sections and then name them, those are the 12 quote unquote signs. And they were named after the constellation that stood sort of behind them at the time of their naming, but they're essentially unrelated to the, the placement of the constellations. And so the natural movement of those is essentially irrelevant to astrology. So that's kind of just a fun little um, tidbit of information for you. But so anyhow, so the Venus sign is going to be the sign that Venus was located in along the belt of the ecliptic at the time of your birth. So what does the Venus sign mean in the chart? So the energy of Venus is very much the empress of the tarot. So Venus is all about pleasure. She indicates how we seek pleasure, both in theory and practice, what brings us pleasure, how we feel about pleasure and what our relationship to pleasure is in every form, not just physical sensory pleasure, but also emotional pleasure and spiritual pleasure. So Venus really is just all about not just getting through the day, but really feeling your way through life and using your body and your existence as a means through which to feel good. That's very much Venus vibe. So Venus is all about pleasure and she's also about love and romance. And I actually don't want to just say romance though, which is why I started with love, because I really do like to expand the conversation from Venus to like romance and cupidity kind of vibes to like all love, because there's so many different types of love, right? There's erotic love, there's platonic love, there's familial love, there's universal love. There's self-love, there's the kind of love that you feel um, pretty privately between you and the divine, there's the kind of love that you feel toward objects that are inanimate um, and just things that exist but aren't necessarily able to love you back like a beautiful sunset. There's so many different types of love and just romantic energy. And I actually love to use the word romance, by the way, not just for like erotic love or a situation of monogamy between um, two individuals who are sexually involved. I love to bring romantic energy as a love and sex witch into experiences that are not inherently sexual or tied to any sort of a commitment slash sexual experience. I feel like I bring romantic energy into my relationships with my clients and my customers. I feel like I bring romantic energy into my relationship with my clothing when I get dressed in the morning. I feel like I bring romantic energy pretty strongly into all of my platonic relationships. And so this is really all Venus, how we connect and how we open ourselves to receive connection is all about our Venus sign. 
and can be closely related to that. So that's a really big piece of it as well. And then also there's kind of like more of a superficial level as well. So typically Venus is our aesthetic. So our Venus sign has a lot to do with the way that we choose to express ourselves as beautiful. And the rising sign, which by the way, if you haven't listened to my episode about the rising sign, I definitely recommend doing that in conjunction with this episode because they go so well together. But the rising sign often has clues and really any activity in the first house. If there's planets in the first house, this will shed light on this as well. But any first house activity sort of indicates one's personal style and the way that they present themselves and project themselves. But it also contains clues usually into their actual physical appearance. A lot of the times I do birth chart interpretations for individuals that I've never actually seen before because I have a lot of clients who get them for members of their family. And so I only deal directly with them and not the individual for whom I'm writing. And so that's really fascinating because I'm still usually able to get a sense of how they probably look based on their first house activity and their rising sign. But the rising sign does also indicate sort of the conditions through which we look our best. Um, For example, you know, Aries rising people tend to look fantastic in hats and athletic clothing. People that have cancer as their rising sign look amazing in necklaces. They usually have really beautiful necks and like a gorgeous kind of chest area, especially female bodied cancer individuals. And so they usually are well advised to draw attention to that area with like low or plunging necklines or a lot of jewelry there. So there's definitely some interesting aesthetic information available through the rising sign, but really Venus is our style. Venus indicates our relationship toward clothing, our relationship toward makeup, if that's something that we do. Um, It's our relationship to jewelry and just the way that we style ourselves, our hair, our bodies, and the way that we beautify our physical body. And then it also will indicate too um, the way that we conceptualize beauty around us. So our opinions and attitudes toward art, music, anything like that is all going to be Venus. So that's what Venus indicates. And so you can imagine how much this can potentially influence the sun sign, right? Because if you have, say, an Aries sun, but your Venus sign is Pisces, this is going to be really different. So you're going to be an Aries in most aspects of your life, obviously, like you're an Aries sun. So that's kind of where you're identified. But this is going to be filtered through a very Piscean lens when it comes to the Venusian areas. So beauty, art, aesthetics, connection, love, romance. So in your romantic or intimate relationships or in any situation in which you would like to connect, you're going to take on a very Piscean kind of vibe, which is going to be really surprising to people because they're going to kind of know you as the Aries, but then when they get to know you a little more intimately and when they start to connect with you, they're really going to see the more Piscean part of you, which is quite starkly different. If you know anything about astrology, Pisces is the very last sign of the zodiac. Aries is the first, so they kind of Pisces kind of has everything that Aries lacks and kind of vice versa. They have that interesting relationship where they're very, very different. So that's going to be a really fascinating um, situation for you. So that's kind of how it can differ. Now, sometimes you're Venus and sun signs can actually be quite complementary to one another. They might even be the same because Venus is not usually too far from the sun. Um, Usually it's only just a couple signs away, just like Mercury. So sometimes you will actually have the same Venus sign as your sun, in which case you're going to love and experience pleasure 
and experience beauty very much in alignment with the way that you're also identified. So it's not going to be a huge kind of disconnect. But if it is really different, then that's going to be something that you'll actually notice about yourself, which is beautiful because it means that you're complex and multifaceted, but it might also be confusing to people, especially if they are attracted to your son and then experience your Venus a little bit later in the relationship when things become deeper. So that's always really fascinating um, how we kind of get to know people and we see the different parts of them. And I talk again about this quite a lot in my astrology 101 episode where I just sort of talk about the sun, moon, and rising signs and how the order usually is that the rising sign is the very first thing we see in people. And then it's the sun. And then the moon is kind of the last thing. But I would actually put Venus closely with the moon. The Venus, the Venus sign is very intimate. It doesn't really affect our acquaintancy kind of coworker relationships usually as much as it's going to come out in our relationships where we're really trying to experience connection and pleasure. And that's not going to be all of them. And that's what's so different too about Venus and Mercury, because in the Mercury episode that I just did, we talked about the fact that it really is good to know the Mercury sign of virtually everybody that you interact with on the daily. So anyone that you live with, even if you're not necessarily closely related or friends, um, anyone that you work beside, anyone that just is in your daily environment, you are going to see their Mercury sign because our Mercury sign is literally how we engage with our immediate atmosphere in the moment. So that's something that really you carry with you every single day. And so that's why I actually chose to talk about that one first, because it's so important. And I think it's really kind of missing from mainstream astrological conversation. But the Venus sign is a lot more intimate. It's a lot deeper. And so it's important to sort of think about the relationship between your Venus sign and your other big three um, signs. So without further ado, though, let's just jump in. And as we usually do, I just want to talk about how Venus expresses herself natally through each of the 12 signs, because that's going to be really important. So first of all, let's talk about Venus in Aries. So Venus in Aries people are usually um, a little bit impulsive when it comes to love and relationships. They are usually, um, they tend to rack up like quite a lot of flings throughout their lifetime because they tend to see something and they just want it and they go for it. So they're usually more prone to sort of just little flings or mini relationships than really long dramatic love affairs. And that's just because again, they're so quick to act on an impulse and especially a romantic impulse. So they're not really going to think too much about it. They are fantastic at taking the initiative in a relationship. Um, you really never have to guess what an Aries-Venus person is feeling, which is actually a huge gift that they give to the people that they're in a relationship with because how exhausting to be in a relationship with someone that you just can't ever read. Obviously, maybe a little bit of mystery can be very exciting depending on your personal Venus sign. That says a lot about what you're attracted to and what you seek in a partner, but Aries Venus people don't really leave you guessing. They're pretty clear about what they want and where they stand, which I think is actually part of their charm and it's part of what has attracted me to these people in the past. Aries Venus people, though, can 
sometimes struggle with getting through the initial excitement of a relationship. They love the honeymoon phase. They love excitement and passion. And this is something that's really important to them. This is something that they crave. This is not someone that's going to stick around in a relationship with you to bicker in the produce section. They really need passion. They really need excitement. They really need like fantastic sex. They really need to be kept, um, I don't want to say guessing because they're not gamey, um, but they do like a relationship that is dynamic and that is thrilling and anything less really just isn't going to work. So that's something to keep in mind if you're in a relationship with an Aries Venus person, it really is very important to keep them on their toes, to keep them excited, be willing to go on adventures with them, be willing to have fun with them, be willing to always invent new ways to be having fun because of course relationships can become stagnant if we're not actively kind of investing in that. And that's something that Aries Venus people need to, well, I don't want to say need to because that sounds preachy and judgmental, but they are well advised to develop these skills because it doesn't come as naturally to them. They tend to struggle a little bit with with negotiating relationships beyond just that initial stage of this feels really good. So for them, it's about kind of doing the work, but also keeping things exciting. And I feel like there's a little bit too much of that dialogue, honestly, that relationships are hard, they suck, they're a struggle, you shouldn't expect after a certain amount of years to feel good in them. And if you do, that's very much the exception. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that sometimes we hear that and if that's really true and if a relationship is that much work to the point where you are you know, going to therapy, you are reading all the books to just try to fit this person into your life, then that's probably just not a match anymore. And maybe it was, but maybe it's not now. So that's kind of my personal belief that it's actually kind of simple. Simple doesn't mean easy, but I think that relationship health is a fairly simple thing. I feel like we, you know, partner and then things either, you know, go one way or they go another way. And that's kind of also the Aries Venus perspective, I would say, is they're just kind of simple about their relationships. They either feel something for you or they don't. But at the same time, as much as I do agree with that very Aryan sentiment, they also could use a little bit of um, calculation and just a little bit of an understanding that everyone becomes boring, to be honest, after a certain amount of time, right? Like we get attracted to people and we get excited about them, but ultimately they are going to cry in front of us and they're probably going to say weird things and they're going to have really bad days and they're going to be dicks probably sometimes for no reason because it happens and it's life. And um, sometimes Aries Venus people are not the most patient partners, which can make them a little bit challenging. Now, here's another thing that's really interesting to me about Aries Venus people. They are a little bit difficult to be in a relationship with because they can be a tad uncompromising. But honestly, I think a positive spin and something that we could all learn from these individuals is that they are so not fixed in their ways, because that sounds like a negative thing, but they are so clear about who they are and what they want. And they're very clear also on what they're simply not willing to adjust to meet another person where they are. And this is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think women in particular um, struggle with this because we're often conditioned to believe that it is our job to make a relationship work. So many women, clients that I have in my practice, talk about feeling incredible guilt when a relationship fails 
because they feel like it is was their job to nurture the conditions to make shit work and to be the flexible half of the relationship. And that is such total bullshit. So I love a good Aries Venus lady in particular because they are so empowered. They know exactly what they want and what they do not want and what they will not tolerate. And they're not really willing to bend and adjust themselves to become what someone else wants. And I think that's actually a really beautiful thing. And as a result, they're going to inevitably attract someone that likes that about them. But at the same time, relationships are compromised. And that's something that Aries Venus people tend to um, have a little bit of a difficult time with, I think. So that's kind of where they stand. So now let's talk about Taurus Venus people. Taurus Venus people. So actually, this is interesting because I'm currently romantically involved with someone that has Taurus as their natal Venus. And I can't say it's pretty new. So I'm actually not totally sure that I've seen the full extent of this, although um, I've definitely seen some of it. But Taurus Venus people are very calculated in their romantic decisions. So they're not the kind of person usually that's going to rush into a relationship blindly without a lot of foresight. They usually watch someone for a while before they decide to pursue something. They're very calculated. And they it's not to say that they take relationships too seriously because that's not the case, but they do they do view relationships as something that is serious and that is meaningful. And they're builders. So they're always looking for something that they can build on. And that's not to say that they're not going to have flings, but they're usually not going to rack up the number of kind of just random like hookups that say an Aries Venus person is more than likely to. They usually are observant, they watch people, and they choose people with a great deal of deliberation that they would then like to get to know better. And a lot of times with Venus Taurus individuals, you have to go slow. They really like to take things slow. Um, They get very nervous if someone comes at them in a way that just feels really rushy. And so it's really important to be be cautious, to kind of read them and to, um, you know, not at the same time, I think that they go really well with any sort of a lover or partner who takes the initiative because as much as they will, they will go very slow and less sort of prompted or tempted to, to go a little faster. So I think that a partner that balances that out is actually really good for them. But at the same time, be patient with them and understand that it does take them a while to step into a real state of connection and trust with an individual. But at the same time, Venus thrives in Taurus. This is one of her two ruling signs. So Venus in Taurus loves pleasure. And these people are really embodiment of the Empress. They really just seek out pleasure in their everyday lives. They are fantastic at receiving pleasure usually. So they make wonderful lovers because we love when other people receive. And that's actually another thing that I talk a lot about with specifically women when I do readings in my practice that can tend to come up is when we're talking about sex or relationships, a lot of the time they report that they struggle to receive. And what's interesting about this, and this is something I have also struggled with in the past, what's interesting is that our partner wants to see us receive, whether it's their compliment, whether it is sexual pleasure, whether it is other an act of service that they perform for us, an act of help. They want to see us be happy about it and accept it. It's actually hurtful to them when we reject it in the form of, um, you know, 
not opening to them sexually or opening to ourselves sexually around them because that's really what it is or in the form of rejecting a compliment or in the form of not letting them help us. You're actually blocking intimacy when you do those things and partake in those behaviors. So really, it's a beautiful thing to be able to receive connection and love and everything else that we are offered all the time in our relationships. And Venus and Taurus people are fantastic receivers. They are not shy about it and they usually will let you know that they appreciate it and that it has been received, whether again, it's a compliment or an act of service or any anything else that we might offer of ourselves to another person. And then Venus and Taurus people are usually extremely romantic. And what's nice is that not only are they very in touch with their own sense of pleasure and beauty, but they also love to please you. They really enjoy that. So a lot of the times, like they really will pay attention in ways that some partners might not. So for example, Aries Venus people can be a little bit quick when it comes to um, sex. And I don't mean literally like premature ejaculation, but I just mean they are very, they're fast. There's not usually a lot of foreplay. There's not usually a lot of um, seduction, but Taurus Venus people usually go all out. And by the way, this is tricky territory because in terms of like fornication and fucking, that's not as much the Venus sign as the Mars sign. The Venus sign is how we make love, but the Mars sign is how we fuck. So you can obviously see the difference, and I feel like you really need to consider these two signs within the context of each other to get the best picture of how you're going to express yourself sexually. And actually, I feel like the moon sign creeps in too, because we would be kidding ourselves if we didn't say that sex brings up a lot of emotions, right? So the moon sign creeps in. I feel like the sun sign can sometimes play a role as well. So there's a couple of different parts of us that are accessed and stimulated when we're sexually having an experience, but for the most part, it will be Mars. So I don't want you to get confused and think that your Venus sign is your sexual self because I don't think that's fully accurate, but it does definitely indicate your seduction game. And Venus and Taurus people have a fantastic seduction game. Absolutely. They're so good at that and they love foreplay. So that's definitely, I think, one of their best qualities. And then the other thing about Venus and Taurus is these people are extremely artistic. They love beauty. They tend to surround themselves with beautiful things. You can always tell when you're in the home of someone with Venus and Taurus because they might not even have a lot of things, but everything that they do have was very deliberately chosen. They have like the finest quality of everything that they own. And they also, by the way, do love retail therapy. Usually Venus and Taurus people um, love to shop and love to acquire things that usually makes them feel really good. And actually Ariana Grande is a Venus Taurus, which I think you can really see even just in her brand and the way that she um, just kind of represents herself, especially to young women as a figure that really unapologetically talks about money in abundance, which as much as she's kind of like a, I think just pop culture, like surfacey icon. At the same time, I really like that about her, that she is a really good role model to women specifically by just singing about not just boys and like romance, but she actually talks about being a badass bitch and being a fucking baller and having tons of money. And that's something that I think a lot of, again, <laughs> women in particular are not comfortable boasting that they're fucking bawling. And I try to do that personally. And I try to set that example for other young women around me 
And I feel like that's not something that I was raised with. And I don't think a lot of us were raised with parents that comfortably talked about money, let alone bragged about it, especially again, our female caretakers and examples that we had. So I really value that. And that's very much the Venus Taurus vibe. These people are proud of what they have and they're not shy about it. And they're also fantastic at just picking good shit. I said this about um, Mercury and Taurus people as well. They see value and they see worth in not only objects, but also people. They usually will see the things in you that make you valuable that other people might overlook. So they're very just kind of deliberate in that way, which I think makes them extremely sexy. So now let's talk about Venus and Gemini people. So Venus and Gemini people are players. I really can't say it any other way. They love to flirt. They love to have fun. They love options. And they really just enjoy playing the field. And that's not to say that they're inherently non-monogamous, but I do know a lot of Venus and Gemini people for whom the monogamous relationship model doesn't necessarily work. So that's something for them to really keep in mind that they probably prefer usually being single or even like if they're thinking about polyamory, which I know is um, not for everybody, but the book, The Ethical Slut is really fantastic. When I was kind of dabbling with open relationships, I read it. I can't remember who, who it's by. Um, I'm trying to see it cause I'm looking right at it, but I think I'm too far away to read that. So, um, yeah, The Ethical Slut is a really good book for Gemini Venus people to read just to let them know that there are alternatives to monogamy, even if they don't decide to go in that direction. It's just good for them to know that there's options. Gemini Venus people need options. And if they are in a monogamous relationship with you, oh my goddess, it is so important that you make them feel free or that you let them feel free. Honestly, it's not about having an open relationship. It's not about, um, you know, letting them do things. It's just totally like you have to allow them to feel as though the door is open and they will stay. You cannot make them feel as though you are infringing on their space. Gemini Venus people need to feel as though the door is open for them, that they have room to roam around. They like to meet new people. They're really curious about others. And so I will say that if you are a really jealous partner, which would be Scorpio Venus or even Taurus Venus, by the way, I think I kind of glossed over that. But one of the downsides of Taurus Venus individuals is that they can be very possessive of their loved ones. They can be very territorial, which isn't inherently a bad thing. In fact, some people find that kind of protective energy very loving, but not those with Venus in Gemini. They're not going to like that. They don't want to feel like one of your belongings and they don't want to feel like something that belongs to you. They really like to be able to just sort of mingle and they usually thrive single because they're so independent and they love dating. They really are great at just the kind of almost surfacey chatter that I think more, um, I, I'm not trying to be insulting, but I think deeper Venus signs such as like Pisces Venus people or Cancer Venus people struggle in those kinds of situations. But honestly, Gemini Venus people thrive. They love conversation. They love just sort of approaching romance from a very mental, almost just emotionally detached perspective where they're just sort of doing research. They're just asking questions. They're almost interviewing you. And they do have a really natural curiosity that makes them extremely charismatic. And actually, my sister is a Gemini rising. And this is something that I think she embodies really, really well. Anytime we go anywhere publicly together, she has this charm where she just, she is genuinely so curious about people. She's not faking it. 
that she is always asking people really good questions about themselves. And you can see that that captivates them because everybody loves to talk about themselves. So Gemini, Venus people, I think that's part of their charm. They really experience pleasure by just engaging with others in a way that for, I think, some deeper Venus signs, as I said, would be a little bit too shallow and a little bit too superficial. Um, so that's just kind of interesting is that it's whatever floats your boat, like we're all so different. And that's what's beautiful about astrology is astrology very effectively captures and explains our inherent differences. And I think when we're talking about the Venus signs specifically, that becomes really important because we really do all love and relate differently. And that's something that we have to consider when we're trying to make a relationship of any kind, whether it be romantic, platonic, or anything else, professional um, work. So that's fascinating to me. But anyways... So those are kind of the stipulations with a Venus Gemini individual. The other thing that can be tricky about being with a Venus Gemini individual is that they are different. They're quirky and they change a lot. So you might have like one version of them one day and another version of them another day. And obviously this, again, will be filtered through the sun sign and their other activity in the chart. But this is only going to come out when they start to have more of an intimate relationship with you. So if they have Taurus as their sun sign, but then Gemini is their Venus sign, you might be a little shocked when you've always thought they were really practical and grounded. And they do have that side. But in terms of how they love, their needs can change at the drop of a hack. So definitely a Venus Gemini partner is one that's going to keep you on your toes. It's going to keep you um, curious about them because there's always more to learn with these people. But again, the major thing I would say is just that they're not going to be deep enough, specifically for those that have Venus in a water sign, I would say. Um, but for the most part, they are very charismatic. They are so much fun. And they really just love in a way that feels free, which I think is a gift that they give to their partners. Not only do they want that in return, but they very lovingly give that as well. They want their partner to feel as though they are free and as though they are always just able to do whatever they want and still be loved, which is, I think, just so beautiful. So now let's talk about Venus in Cancer, because this is some interesting shit. So Venus in Cancer is all about just that deep heart chakra connection. Venus in Cancer wants to go deep. Venus in Cancer um, can't handle anything that feels too shallow. So that's something that's really important to consider if you're in a relationship with one. They also love in a, a way that feels like nurturance, which is beautiful for some people, but it's also not for everybody. A lot of people, especially if you have Venus in an air sign, will tend to feel smothered by someone that has Venus in cancer because they can start to feel like your mother, which again, for some people, they appreciate that. They like a partner that wants to make sure they've eaten that day and that, you know, wants to know where they are or wants to know that they arrived somewhere safe. It's really like a very protective, almost, again, paternal or maternal kind of feeling, being in a relationship with them. That's just how they express their affection. So if that's a problem, then you might be with the wrong person. Um, but at the same time, they also like that 
as well. Venus and Cancer people are not about the stomach flip. These are not gamey individuals who like a relationship that is rocky or confusing. And in fact, games are the best way to push them away or inconsistency is very disturbing to them. And actually, I would say the same for Venus and Taurus people. Venus and Taurus people also, like Venus and Cancer individuals, really like a relationship that is stable and that is a source of sort of centering in their lives. So they don't crave something that feels, you know, really chaotic, which is honestly an area where we all differ. Some of us are really attracted to situations and individuals that give us the stomach flip or that keep us guessing. And that's really not necessarily what Venus and Cancer wants. They would truly rather have a relationship that is just loving and feels like home and feels like family rather than a relationship that quote unquote is exciting like a Venus and Aries individual. Now, the other thing, if you are a Venus and Cancer person, here is a word of caution or advice rather. So this is kind of true of all of us, but we tend to partner unless we've done our work and done therapy and sort of um, explored our subconscious needs and drives, then we tend to partner from a place of wounding and in particular from what we did not feel that we got in our childhood from our primary caregivers or family of origin. And so this is true to some extent, usually for all of us, unless or until we clean that up. But Venus and cancer people in particular seek out relationships with individuals that remind them of their caregivers or relationships that emulate the relationship that their caregivers had with each other. Now, this might be a really good thing, but it might not be a really good thing depending on what that relationship was. So if you are a Venus and Cancer person, I advise you right now to get really clear and actually take the time to think about what your relationship between your individual caregivers was like with one another and whether or not that's something that you actually want to emulate. And think about your relationships past as well and whether or not you feel this resonates and if it does. And you know what? It might not on the surface. It might not seem to resonate. For example, just I'm not a Venus Cancer individual, but I can give you an example from my personal life. My father growing up was very, um, he was a very dutiful father. Like he was the primary source of income in my family of origin. Um, he worked a lot, which he always kind of said was to support the family. So he was absent a lot of the time, but in terms of his actual personality, he was very withholding. He had a temper, which could be very scary as a child. He was moody. He was inconsistent. He often just sort of felt difficult to reach and withdrawn and as much as on the surface, my, a lot of my former lovers don't fit the bill of my dad. Like if you knew my dad, you would see him as just a very successful businessman. And a lot of my exes are definitely not that. They often didn't have jobs. They often didn't have vehicles. They definitely did not have their on paper affairs in order in the same way that my father does. As I said, he's a very, um, almost exceptionally responsible person who is very in control of his life. But the way that they treated me was very similar and very reminiscent of the relationship with my dad. Literally all those qualities that I just listed were qualities about people that I have been romantically involved with in the past, which is fascinating because they're not qualities that I consciously sought out. And yet when they were demonstrated by individuals, rather than acknowledging that as a problem and a deal breaker, I was attracted 
And so that's just kind of an example. So Venus and Cancer people, and really everybody, but especially those with Venus and Cancer, I really do invite you to think deeply about it because on the surface, you may look at your exes and think, she's nothing like my mom or, you know, he's nothing like my dad. And that might be true, but think about specifically their treatment of you and the dynamic and the dance of your relationship. And you might be surprised at some of the similarities. So that's really important to express. So Venus and Cancer people... Um, I want to say some positive things too. So these individuals are, they're nurturing, they're loving in a way that feels just wholesome. And again, that's something that is not for everybody. But for me, I just think it's so beautiful. They are the kind of lover that is going to just take care of you. They really like that. That feels good to them. It's without strings. I also want to say that Venus and Cancer people unlike those with Venus and Aries, are uniquely prepared for a long-term situation. They welcome challenges. They really understand that relationships that are meaningful are going to have ups and downs. And they're extremely devoted in this way. And they're usually ready and, and happy and willing to be emotionally supportive, to see you at your worst and to love you anyway, which I think is the gift that they give to their, their loved ones. So now let's talk about Venus and Leo, which is a very spectacular energy. So Venus and Leo people want to be adored, period. There is no alternative. And if you cannot unabashedly adore them, just don't even bother them because that's what they need. It's really true. Venus and Leo people really need to be with someone that is excited to see them, someone that is very big on verbal words of affirmation, which is something that they really do need. That is their love language, and that's important to them. They really want to be reassured. They want to be told that they are valued in the relationship and that they are seen for their accomplishments in their personal life as well as in the home. And that's just something that they really do need. So if you're in a relationship with a Venus and Leo person, just understand that if words of affirmation are, are not something that you typically use to express your affection, that is a skill that you're going to want to develop. And that is a skill that we can develop, by the way. Of course, we have our innate kind of love language that feels really natural to us. But if we have a partner that receives love in a different way than what we're used to giving it, I do feel like it is our responsibility to try to um, come to some sort of a a mutual understanding, especially because we want them to feel loved. And Venus and Leo people really do require to be the center of attention in your life. And do not make them jealous because that's not something that they will appreciate. And it's not to say that they're jealous people in the same way that I would say Venus and Taurus or Venus and Scorpio people are, where they really just have that possessive kind of obsessive streak where it can almost become irrational. Venus and Leo people just need to know that they are it. They want to be adored and they don't want to feel like they are competing for your affection. They don't want to feel like you are eyeing someone else in their presence. And what's really beautiful though about Venus and Leo is that they are not going to do this to you. And so I don't feel that they're asking for too much because they are so devoted. Leo is one of the most loyal signs of the Zodiac. Leo and Capricorn, in my opinion, um, and experience, because I know a lot of Leos and Capricorns, are the two most loyal signs. Venus and Leo is, I would say, tied for first place of least likely to stray in any kind of a romantic situation. They're just not going to. They're devoted. They're loving. And they want to make you feel adored, but they also are going to need that back. So that's really kind of interesting. 
And then the other thing about Venus and Leo, I would say, is that they do, they can be a little bit needy. And actually, what's interesting is in a very different way than Venus and Cancer, but I didn't really touch on that. Venus and Cancer can be a little needy as well. Venus and Cancer people really do require a great deal of validation. They require a great deal of reassurance. Um, they really like to know that you still love them, you still care about them. And that's something that some people are just willing to do. Other Venus and Cancer people, for example, are willing to give that. But that's not something that everyone has time for. And in a similar way, Venus and Leo just craves a lot of that too. So they can be too needy. They can be too egotistical for some people. But they really do make sensational partners. Not only are they devoted and loyal, but they're so generous with their time, their energy, their affection. They love to make you feel spoiled. And that is something that they will dedicate their whole life to, honestly, if you partner with one in a way that is serious and committed. So now let's talk about Venus and Virgo. So one of my very best friends of all time, who I love to death, has Venus and Virgo. And it's really fascinating to me because she expresses her affection through acts of service. And I think that this is true of all people that have Venus and Virgo. They're not usually as comfortable with physical affection. They're not usually as comfortable with words of affirmation. So if that's what you need, looking at you, Venus and Leo people, that's probably not going to be a relationship that you want to engage in with a Venus and Virgo because they're not comfortable with that. And that's just not where they're skilled. Um, however, this is a partner that is also very devoted and loyal and their way of showing that they love you is by taking out the garbage, doing the grocery shopping, scrubbing the sink, doing the dishes, vacuuming the carpet, um, cleaning the closet. Like they will do, and my best friend to return to my personal example, that's how she is too. She is so loving and she literally, the things that she's done for me, like she has dropped off packages for me at the post office. Like she, she's brought me batteries when I didn't have any, like she loves to go above and beyond through actual demonstrations of her affection and her love for me, which is beautiful. And even though I'm a Venus in Pisces, so I'm more likely to write you a poem and cry and tell you I love you. Um, but she is not like that. But I do see and acknowledge that she expresses her love for me in that very different kind of a way. And that's really beautiful about people with Virgo and Venus or Venus and Virgo, that they are just so devoted and they love to show you that. They love to actually be a force for good in your life in a way that I don't think all Venus signs are. They literally like to make your life better. They like to make your life easier. And I actually just read this beautiful quote from my psychotherapist, Terry Cole, who I just took a class with last year. And it said, relationships are a soft landing in a hard world. Healthy relationships are. And that's very much what I think Venus and Virgo offers really, really well. They're literally going to take whatever they can off your plate to be a good partner to you. And I think that makes them really special. Now, where Venus and Virgo can be a little challenging is not only are they not stellar at verbal affirmation, but they also can be a little critical. And in fact, sometimes this is a part of them that actually emerges when they're in love with someone. They start to nitpick. And 
it doesn't always feel super loving. And again, especially if you are a very egotistical Venus in Leo, where all you want to feel is beautiful all the time. You don't want to be told that you have something in your teeth or that, you know, you have like, you know, a pimple or something like that. And that's very much how Venus and Virgo can be. Sometimes if they are in love with someone, they try to fix them. And that's like a very unsexy dynamic. Not only is it unsexy for the other person, but it can also tend to attract them to projects, which is like, so not what anyone wants. I feel like we're so done with that as a collective dating people that we need to fix or dating people that we don't approve of as they are. Like we see a bunch of shit wrong with them and we think we can help them. That's just so done. Like no one wants to do that. But to wrap it up on a good note, Venus and Virgo individuals are the most humble people when they're in love and they are humbled by love, which is something that I think is exceptionally beautiful about them. They totally approach relationships and specifically, I would say romance with the understanding that they don't know what they're doing and they're very... um, they're humbled by their partner and they're just humbled by the whole process, which I think is very moving. But at the same time, they also, ironically, as much as they tend to give a lot of criticism, they are very sensitive to criticism. So (laughs) it's kind of sticky because they don't want it back. Um, So that can be very difficult to negotiate. I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I would invite Virgo Venus people to get more intentional about. And then we have Venus in Libra. So Venus in Libra people are the people pleasers, which is a bigger problem when we're looking at Venus. And I talked about this in the Mercury episode as well, because people with Mercury in Libra are also really, they're prone to people pleasing. They really like to show up to an environment or an interaction, assess what's needed and provide that. However, when we are looking at that kind of influence as the Venus sign, this is much deeper and this is happening in our intimate relationships and in our desire to connect. So when Libra Venus people fall in love, they have to battle this really nasty tendency to just sort of morph into whatever they think the other person wants them to be. And again, that is deeply unsexy. And I feel like to some extent, like this is a temptation that we probably have all felt before. We all want to be liked. And that's also what's beautiful about astrology too. We really do contain all 12 of the signs in some capacity in our chart. They're just archetypal facets of the human experience. So as much as you might not be Libra Venus or have Libra anywhere in your chart, you still know what I'm talking about. And so we have something to learn from all the signs. So I always hope that when I do these episodes, of course, I want you to listen to your own information and those of the people that you care about. But I also hope that you really just listen to the whole episode because there is so much to learn. But anyways, I digress. So Libra Venus people really have to watch out for that because if they do that, they're going to end up not showing up authentically in a relationship, which feels terrible, breeds resentment, and ultimately leads them in a partnership where they're not necessarily aligned. And this can be very uncomfortable for Libra Venus people, but they really do need to learn to speak up, to stick to their authenticity, even when they're falling in love or dating or interested in someone. And they need to remember that being their authentic self is truly more important than being approved of by a lover. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that they have to learn. But other than that, Libra Venus people are so incredible to be in a relationship with. Again, like 
um, Venus and Gemini, they really do crave space. So it's really important not to make them feel smothered. They are also just truly devoted in a way that I would say is similar to the type of devotion that we see, the type of humble devotion that we see with Virgo and Venus. Libra Venus people really just enjoy giving of themselves. They enjoy making other people feel related to, and they enjoy um, connection. And they're deeply unselfish at best. At worst, again, they can be too compromising, so much so that they compromise crucial parts of their identity or compromise their needs or don't advocate for their needs at all and don't ask for what they want. So that's something that's really important. And honestly, for this, Lib for this reason, Libra Venus people are so attractive to people. Everybody wants these people. Like, they're so magnetic because they show you what you want, but they really do need to learn to kind of stick to their, their real true self. But Libra, by the way, is the other ruling sign of Venus as well as Taurus. And what's interesting about this is it's very different because Taurus takes the kind of Venusian energy to the physical body in the form of sensuality and physical pleasure and seduction. And Venus in Libra is way more of like a mental pleasure. So Venus and Libra people love order. They love balance physically. And usually, again, their homes are impeccable, but normally it's like everything is so neat and tidy and orderly. And that's kind of funny. Like you can always spot a Libra Venus person based on the state of their home, which is really fascinating. They love artwork. They love um, anything that engages their mind and visually appears to be beautiful. They're very fascinated by that. And they really do seek to create beauty everywhere they go. Venus and Libra and Venus and Taurus are two of the most artistic places to have Venus. So usually both of these individuals have some sort of art form that plays a really big role in their lives and that kind of serves as their therapy and their major contribution because they love to contribute beauty to the world. And then, so if you have Venus and Scorpio, Venus and Scorpio is dark and shadowy and fucking hot. So Venus, I, I've actually dated a Venus Scorpio person, although to be fair, um, I would say that he was a very low vibe expression of this. So I don't think that he's like a stellar example of what this energy is in its highest form. But Venus and Scorpio people tend to cultivate relationships and choose relationships that are very kind of shadowy. And they really like mystery. They also exude mystery. And they're very enigmatic, which is part of their charm and part of what can attract other people to them. And so that's really not always necessarily the best thing for them. It's not a problem, but that is something to keep in mind that sometimes they are attracted to situations with a lot of secrecy, with sometimes a lot of baggage, and that's not always necessarily what they actually want or what will actually yield the best results. Although at the same time, I do think that Venus and Scorpio people really just bring the intensity. And I feel like if this is misdirected, it can lead to sort of low vibe situations. But in its highest expression, Venus and Scorpio people are incredible lovers because they love your shadow and they want to see your shadow. And these really are the types of lovers that will handle you very well at your worst and they'll go there with you. It's not only just that they're handling you, but they're actually willing to travel with you into the darkness. And anytime we talk about Scorpio, I'm always reminded of the 
of the myth of Persephone's descent into the underworld, where she spends time with Hades down there and is ultimately kind of um, brought back up by Hecate at the end of her six-month sentence. And even when she spends time in the underworld, when she is kind of scared before she kind of becomes a badass bitch down there, um, she's with Hecate, who is comforting her. And that kind of relationship, that crone relationship that Hecate develops for and with Persephone is very similar to Scorpio Venus, how they express their love. They really are fantastic at being there for someone, especially who is in the stages of intense grief or intense like shadow, where they're having a full-on tantrum and it's really embarrassing. And not all Venus signs can handle that well. For example, Venus in Aries is so uncomfortable and just wants to piece the hell out, whereas Venus in Scorpio is not going to try to make you feel better, not going to make you feel like they're trying to fix you. They're not trying to, you know, leave the room because they're so uncomfortable. They really are fantastic in a crisis. They're so loving and they'll really sit with you through your pain. They'll go there with you and share in that pain with you. And it really is very incredible. Um, and that's, I think, their major gift that they give a loved one is that they truly do love and accept all of you, including your shadow. And a lot of times, a Scorpio Venus individual is a fantastic partner, whether serious or casual, with whom to work out your shadow. Because if they will tend to bring that out in you, which is not a bad thing. I think that we often misunderstand the shadow to refer to parts of ourselves that are negative or destructive, and that's not necessarily what the shadow is. And for more information on that, I do actually have a whole episode on shadow work that I did this year during shadow season that um, I will link to actually down below because I think it goes really well with this, especially with this particular section. But Venus and Scorpio lovers will bring out your shadow and they will love you not in spite of your shadow, but because of it, which I think is something that makes them really special and really beautiful as people. But again, the downside is that they can tend to be drawn to relationships that are just shadowy, not in a good way, that are low vibe and that are complicated and where there's mistreatment. And that's not obviously always a good thing or ever really a good thing, especially if it's, you know, mistreatment that's going on. But they're also extremely intense. They're not going to be able to have a partnership that's shallow. They really just can't. They don't have time for that. So don't even bother them if you can't really go the depths because that's what they want. And they will actually introduce you to a deeper level of intimacy than what you ever thought you were capable of experiencing. So that's kind of amazing. I really do appreciate Venus and Scorpio people for what they are. They are jealous though. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Don't play games with them. They don't like it. And they can also get a little bit obsessive and a little paranoid. And I actually had this other former lover that I'm now talking about wasn't a Scorpio Venus, but he was a Scorpio son. And when we actually, it was the end of our relationship that we got, had this huge argument that was totally based on his own paranoia. It was so bizarre in which he was kind of blaming me for things that were like literally kind of just bizarre for me as an Aquarius to hear. It was just like, do you really think that it was just so strange. So Scorpio uh, Venus people can be a little bit of that. They can get sort of an idea in their head. It's very like nine of swords of the tarot. They can get a little fixated on something that they think is going on, um, whether it's, you know, an affair or something that they think is going on with you internally. 
and they will neglect to talk to you about it, but they will still, you'll still notice sort of a distancing, which is very painful. So that's something that Scorpio Venus people I think can get better at is just communication and not getting so stuck in their fixation and their obsession with, with possibilities that they actually lose touch with reality. And again, that's obviously um, kind of worst case scenario expression of this energy. And then moving on to Venus and Sag. So Venus and Sag people, um, similar actually to Venus and Gemini, love in a way that feels free. And similarly, this is something that they need in return. They really need to be loved in a way that feels like the door's open for them to roam. They really get claustrophobic emotionally if they're with a partner that they feel is smothering them. That is the worst thing you can do. So if you're dating a Venus and Sag, the sexiest thing you can do is just make sure that you're giving them tons of freedom and making them feel like they've got space because that's really their biggest turn on and they will love you forever if you can give them that. They also need a partner like Aries that is adventurous and they really like someone and crave relationships that teach them something or show them something. A lot of times they're attracted to people that are from other countries or cultures. They're usually attracted to people that are chronologically older than them that they view as kind of a mentor. They tend to be attracted to people who um, are just very unlike themselves in some significant way. And this is because they really like relationships where they feel they can expand through it. And they enjoy relationships that are expansive for both parties. So I would feel like that's another really sexy thing you can bring to the table with a Sagittarius Venus person is just make them feel as though you are also wanting to grow and you are also wanting to expand and you're wanting to unite as a team and do that together because that is going to be super irresistible to these people. And I would say if there is a downside to Venus and Sag people, it's that they can come off a little condescending at times. And actually, this is almost especially true if they are in love. Um, they can definitely seem a little bit like they condescend you. And for me, that has been a problem. And it is a problem. It's not something I will tolerate. But other Venus signs are a little more flexible. And obviously, this might not be a tendency that your particular Sag Venus expresses if they have a lot of other things in their chart that mitigate this, which hopefully they do. And then Aquarius Venus people. So this is really fascinating. This is actually my, oh my gosh, we just skipped over Capricorn. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll do Capricorn first, actually. So Capricorn Venus people. Um, this is, you know, okay. So Capricorn Venus people are a little bit icy at times at their worst. And that is at their worst because I feel like Capricorn is one of those signs that like Scorpio, it just has kind of a negative reputation. And I think this is really enforced by like shallow surfacey pop culture astrology, but it's not totally fair. But I will say that Capricorn Venus people, um, struggle sometimes at expressing love and affection. That's just kind of a fact. And I think that's something that you probably know if this is you, like this is probably not breaking news to you, that this isn't super comfortable. Now, if you're dating someone with a Capricorn Venus natal placement, my advice and words of wisdom to you would be that they really only pretend not to need or like affection and love. So still smother them with it because still waters really do run deep with these people. And they really are romantic actually, um, which I know might sound like I'm crazy, but they only pretend to be too good for it, truly. Like they will appreciate it, even if they're not going to tell you they appreciate it. They, they love the demonstrations of affection that you show them. So continue doing that and understand that they're just not, 
the best at then expressing that. So let's talk about what they are. So Capricorn Venus people, as I already said, are tied with Leo Venus people as being the most loyal of the Zodiac, period. These people are not going to stray. They're going to be honest with you. They're not gamey. They're just kind of what they are, which is a huge gift, I think, that they give to those that they're involved with romantically. Now, these are also lovers that are going to stay the course. And actually, I want to go back again to Taurus Venus people because I think that this is something that Taurus and Capricorn Venus people share. Um, both of them really value longevity and they also really value um, dependence and reliability. And if they feel as though they can depend on you and as though you have demonstrated yourself to be reliable, this can trump almost everything else. And I would say Taurus more specifically, this can almost be to a negative extent where I think Taurus Venus people crave certainty so heavily in their love lives that they can get stuck in situations that are actually stagnant and not feeling good because they just don't want to break the cycle and they just value that the relationship has always been there for them. Even if the cycle is a toxic one, or even just an unhappy one, they will usually stick with it because they just don't want to make the change. But Capricorn Venus individuals, I think, are a little better at that. But at the same time, they really value reliability. That is so important to them. And just like it's sexy to make a Sag Venus person feel free, it's so sexy when you make it clear to your Capricorn Venus that you are going to be there for them and you're going to follow through with what you say you're going to do in ways large and small. That is definitely their biggest turn on. And then the other thing about Capricorn Venus people is that they approach love in a way that is kind of serious. So I feel like they do really well with a partner that is a little bit more lighthearted, that can teach and show them that love isn't something to be taken too seriously. Um, they can be really projecty about what they think might go wrong. But at the same time, Capricorn Venus people, like Cancer Venus people, are uniquely prepared for the inevitable highs and lows of a relationship. They really do understand because they have that Saturnine uh, wisdom that they really bring with them into their love lives. They understand that relationships are inherently complicated and that people are going to show them the full spectrum of who they are as they develop deeper intimacy. And that is something that they are really prepared for and can handle, which is pretty sexy in my opinion. And then Venus in Aquarius. So this is my sister's natal Venus. And we joke about this a lot because I'm actually an Aquarius sun. And as much as I fucking love that part of myself, I'm so happy Aquarius is not my Venus sign because I feel like that would be quite a challenge. And my sister does talk about it as being a challenge sometimes. And she's probably going to be pissed at me because I feel like I'm outing a lot of her astrology in this episode, but um, that's okay. So anyway, um, Aquarius Venus people are awkward in the realm of love. And again, I would say similar to Capricorn, this is just a place where Venus um, doesn't thrive necessarily. This is something that these people have to deliberately work on is connection and relationships. And that's not to say that, you know, this is goes for everyone because again, obviously the rest of the chart needs to be considered. And it does contribute, though, a level of emotional awkwardness. And it's very difficult for Venus and Aquarius people actually to express how they feel. They tend to be very in their heads, so it can be really difficult for them to experience physical pleasure, especially during intimacy. But it can also be difficult for them to experience the emotional pleasure of connection. And so that's something that they need is a partner that's going to be very patient and that's going to very effectively lay the groundwork to facilitate this kind of reconnection to their more emotional self. Now, what's really great about Venus and Aquarius people is that they love in a way that feels like friendship. They will be your best friend. 
And that I think is really actually romantic accidentally. Um, and that's actually a really beautiful way I think of describing Aquarius Venus people is they're the accidental romantics. They honestly approach love in a way that is curious and like they think it's kind of funny. And there's always a level of emotional detachment, which for water Venus people is not going to work because they really need that, that feels. Um, but they love in a way that just feels kind of platonic and it's very kind of cute in my opinion when I've seen it and experienced it. And they also tend to be, by the way, really attracted to their friends. So Venus and Aquarius people, um, a lot of the times do find love in their friendships and this is also actually true of those with Venus and Gemini, they really need a mental connection first in order to then experience an emotional or physical connection with someone. They really need to be able to be mentally stimulated and engaged at the mind first, and that to them is the best foreplay. So if you really want to seduce an Aquarius Venus person, have a really good conversation with them, teach them about something new, have a lively debate with them, um, that is really what they crave and also have a friendship with them because they really do like that foundation and they kind of need it in order to then develop a romance. It's kind of mandatory. And then finally, we have Venus in Pisces, which is my natal Venus placement. So this is the one that I've been most looking forward to talking about. And Venus in Pisces people, I'm just going to be honest, we are love addicts. We love love. We love to be in love. We love the idea of love. We are hopeless romantics. And obviously this is a really good thing in a lot of ways because being in a relationship with us is kind of like being in a relationship with the ocean. It's just like so deep and profound and kind of scary. But at the same time, it can obviously be an issue because we don't know how to love gently. We love hard and that's the only way that we do love. We also come on really strong with our emotions of which there are many because Venus in Pisces is deeply feeling. And so that can be scary, especially if you have Venus in an air sign, that might not work for you where we come on really strong with poetry and tears and I love yous. And that can be kind of like what the fuck is happening. If you have Venus in Aquarius, that might not be a match. Um, or it will be. And that's actually another thing. This is a quick diversion. People ask me a lot about compatibility and honestly, this is going to become a whole episode in and of itself, but there is no such thing as incompatibility. Um, proven or enforced by the birth chart. I really do believe that any combination can work. And differences in astrology between charts is actually fantastic for sexual connection. It's dynamic, it's challenging, and isn't that what draws us to people when they're not like us in foundational ways? So I would say that literally every single combination works or can work and has the potential to be extremely satisfying. But we should always com consider compatibility, astrology, or synastry when we're examining two charts and the way they interact and engage with each other through the lens of, okay, the intention of these two people, which is the most magical thing, right, is intention. If your intention is to give your all and to show up to the relationship and make it not only work, but feel fucking amazing and be an incredible part of your life, that is what's going to happen. And astrology is more the how than the what if that makes sense. It will show you and serve as a roadmap to bring you to that space of total fulfillment, if that um, makes sense to you. But anyway, going back to Pisces Venus people, they do well with a partner, I should say, that can handle that level of emotion. But at the same time, where Vice, uh, uh, Venus Pisces people struggle a little bit is in that they 
can not only love bomb people accidentally, but they can also become a little bit um, they can lose touch with reality in the sense that they project so hard into the future about what they think a relationship is going to become, even if the person that they're seeing or have fallen in love with it doesn't feel that way and has even maybe communicated that. Like we can get so excited about a person and potential that it might have no basis in reality or no connection to what the person has actually revealed to us that they are truly available for. And so as a result, and this is an unfortunate side effect of this natal placement, I think that Pisces Venus people are a little more prone to heartbreak just because we do fall so hard, we invest so much, um, we don't really know how to do it any other way, and we also sometimes can get a little crazy about people that we feel strongly for. But obviously I'm being a little harsh and there's a lot of really good things about having a Pisces Venus. These people are extremely romantic and loving and intuitive. We're fucking charming. We can turn that shit on like a defense mechanism. And we're not only charming in a surfacey kind of way like Gemini Venus, no offense, but we're charming in a really um, deep way that resonates with people at their soul. Like we know, we look at someone and we know like how to charm the pants off of them. And it's a very deeply kind of connected sort of thing. And the thing that I always say, um, Venus in in Pisces people, that was kind of a tongue twister, love in a way that feels like being healed. And that to me feels really true. Um, Venus and Pisces people leave their lovers better off than they were than when they started and when they entered into a relationship with them. And that can sound toxic, but it's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that really gross, like, I'm the healer and I'm going to come into this relationship and fix you. That's not what it is. Energetically speaking, Venus and Pisces people have this power to facilitate healing in others. And obviously, like, that's a better way to say it because obviously you always do the healing, right? Like I'm a Reiki practitioner and I always tell my clients that when I work with them, I'm not healing them. It couldn't be further from the truth. It's them. I am just facilitating, the, I'm creating the space and I'm facilitating the process, but it is fully independent of me and it is happening within them and, and of them. And that is very true of being in a relationship with a Pisces Venus person too. It really is the other person that does the healing on themselves, but Pisces Venus people tend to lay the groundwork for incredible heart opening and emotional healing. And that's something that's, I think, a beautiful gift that we give everyone that we've ever been in a relationship with, even if it wasn't necessarily long-term or even if it was quite temporary. So that is Venus through the signs. That was a really long episode, but honestly, this is important shit, right? Venus is no joke. She really does teach us how to love effectively, how to relate effectively, how to effectively feel pleasure, which I think is something that we could all use more of. This is why I have Venus tattooed on my arm because I need the daily reminder to prioritize feeling good. That's something that we're not reminded of in a capitalist culture. So to be a priestess of Venus in these times and in this paradigm is kind of a punk rock act, in my opinion. So that's why, you know, this had to be a long one, because there's a lot to say. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please go back and listen to it again. I feel like this is the kind that really will require multiple listens for you to fully absorb everything, because I feel like I actually dropped some pretty dope wisdom. So um, please go back and listen. 
listen to the Venus sign of everyone that you're intimately acquainted with, especially any lovers, romantic partners, um, and even I would say family too and close friends. Those are going to be the people that you really do want to know their Venus signs. So go back and check that out. Listen to yours again. And obviously there's tons of other resources online that is um, going to also help you. So feel free to not only take my word for it, but play around with discovering more about yourself through your Venus sign. It is so fascinating and it will change the way you relate for the better. It really will. So before I let you go, I will remind you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter if you haven't already done that. I will post the link in the description of this episode and I also want to remind you to shoot me an email if you do have anything that you want me to discuss in the podcast. I've been on an astrology kick lately and that has been feeling really, really good to me, but if you want me to talk about magic or ritual or crystals or um, just living with intention... I think you know by now the kinds of things that we talk about here, um, then send me an email. Or if you have a very specific question, I might take the time to answer that here on the podcast. And even if I don't, I'm pretty good at responding to my emails. So feel free to reach out to me. I would truly love to hear from you. And that's it. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your day. And 2021 is around the corner at this point. So I hope you really enjoy that too, your New Year's Eve and your New Year's Day. And I'm so excited to begin this new phase with you. And yeah, take care of yourself. I'll talk to you again very soon. Be well until then.